Busy weekend for us crew, some of us, this side of the table. Yeah, the cool side. Yeah. I did cool stuff. Yeah, you did. It's really just Dan. He's just like sitting around just looking at like we'll see. Oh, solar eclipses. Yeah. Oh, God. Should we you get just, that? Yeah, go ahead and get it out of the way now. Stuff out of the way. Yeah, go yeah. make it quick. Kind of like the... Yeah. He's swallow, like, so. swallow the frog. He's like, are you talking to me? Solar, my phone down. solar eclipse, April 8th, 2024. <laughs> so April 8th or 9th. I don't think that's just the date that you said. I'm going to tell everyone it's I said, I said April 24. Is it the 24th or the 8th? What if I really want to go? Now I don't know. I said April, tw- April the year 24. Okay, go yeah. on. The day, <coughs> as of right now, if you're listening to this, it is August of 2023. Yes. And Amanda and I were, we did the last eclipse, which was six years ago, I today, think I think. Clearly, Amanda and I. Amanda. A man and I. My wife. My wife. My wife, a man. My wife. Very nice. Um, no, we did it six years ago today uh, in Carbondale, Illinois. We camped out, and it was like a life-changing experience. Being in totality, which is where the sun's totally blocked, it's wild because you don't realize how much thermal energy comes off the sun. So as soon – the sun will be like 80% occluded, and it's normal. And then all of a sudden, it just goes like dusk. All the birds stop chirping. All the animals think it's nighttime, and you just feel this cold wind come over you. And you look up, and you can't see the sun proper, so you see all the rays that you usually can't see coming off the sun. So it kind of looks like, it looks wild. Like, you're like, oh, I can see why Aztecs would, like, sacrifice people when this happens. Because but how did they know when it was going to happen? They had a solar calendar. Yeah, they, they based timing off of moons. Isn't that weird, though? They like, very I don't know quickly they realized that. that the Earth was round. Tecumseh totally knew. He wasn't Aztec. Yeah, but yeah and they would plan. They would plan sacrifices, kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The new eclipse would happen, and they would be like, hey, we should have a sacrifice on this day. And then when the eclipse happens, we can act like oh. whoever the emperor is knew. Like, we sacrificed someone, and then God responded. Therefore, we're doing the right thing. So, Oh, wow. But, yeah, so anyways... So we're like, we need to get on on booking this before everyone books everything up. And we're looking at, it goes kind of from Maine in an arc through Illinois and then down through Texas. Like the, where the, the path of totality. totality. And there's it maps. sounds like a cult. And there's maps you can get. And it'll say, if you're in this spot, you'll have totality for three minutes, four minutes, whatever. Dan is on the path to totality. Yeah. So we're trying to go south because it's in April and south has the least likely chance of having cloud cover because it'll be springtime and it'd stink if you planned a trip up to you know the great lakes area and then it's a cloudy day and Mm. you miss it so we're going down to texas and so we were thinking well maybe we'll go outside austin so we got an airbnb and put in the dates and literally it's like camp in my backyard for for the solar eclipse 450 dollars a night (gasps) Like literally, they're already preparing. Like literally, you're like the Holiday Inn is like six hundred dollars a night <gasps> already, and so we called a couple places that like their online systems, smaller places, their online systems that they had availability, and um, but we couldn't book. And like with this one place we called, and they're like, "Yeah, we we're not taking reservations for." 
those dates. Like they're holding those dates, I'm guessing, for family and friends and stuff. Mm. Or until they get closer and they'll charge $2,000 a night or something. Um, so I shared it in Slack with work. And I'm like, hey, if you want to do this. But I'd suggest you do it because, I mean, it's going through Paoli and it's an hour away. You'll, like the totality. path to yeah. totality. <laughs> so why are you going to Texas if it's because of the because of the cloud cover? Oh, and we're going to use that as a little excuse for vacation. Mm-hmm. Like we, we've got Amanda's grandfather's in Texas, and we'll do like a little travel thing. But we did Carbondale last time. We went to Garden of the Gods State Park and got up on a. It's one of those parks where you can backcountry camp wherever. Mm-hmm. So we hiked up to the top of a mountain and. uh it was amazing. That does sound cool. Now that you, I thought you were just like standing out in the parking lot, like uh, on Independence Day, and they're like, "Take me." <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool being in nature because, like I said, it's you can practically see the sha- if you're up on a ridge line, you mm-hmm. can see the shadow coming from off from a distance. You see the shadow come, and then you just get hit with this cold wind, and all you just start noticing all the birds, everything just stop. There's a wind, and then all the birds just stop chirping, and you look up, and it's just like end of days sort of reaction, just the subconscious, like your brain's being reprogrammed about like what what uh, like daytime can be. It's wild. It's wild. So, and plus, like I don't know when the next time this will happen, because it happens. I think every year, somewhere, somewhere on the planet. Yeah. But the chances of it going through the U.S. Uh, are pretty rare mm-hmm. as far as the whole U.S. You know, sometimes it'll clip an edge of the U.S. or something. But well, you should be able to look it up, right? Like they'll know when the next next one's going to be because it's a it's a lunar calendar that uh, is fairly defined. Yeah, I mean there'll probably be another chance in your life, but like I said, the last time this happened was seven years or six years ago. I went just out to our property for that one because I, I think when that one came through the area it was kind of like the further west you can get i think like western kentucky area had some pretty good yeah but so our property is just a little west of here we went out there and i mean it was cool but we didn't have the totality totality like you're talking about just for a little bit kind of got darker and a little cooler and then it was sunshine again yeah it was like a middle of summer if i remember right yeah, yeah, it was hot. Yeah. It was hot. We went camping with some friends, and my friend was dating this girl who was not outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. And, like, we were in our tents. It was it was very similar to our North Carolina trip <laughs> yeah. as far as temperature at night. Uh, but no rain. It was just hot yeah. and humid. And I was in my hammock, and I think Amanda was in a hammock, and him and, and his girlfriend were in a tent. And we were like, all right, good night, everyone, good night. And it was like five minutes went by, and then you just heard her, like, softly sobbing. And then, like, the couple's argument of just like, I'm not having fun. This isn't oh, my no. And we were just like, <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> just started crying. Um, but, no, yeah, so it's it's fun fun thing. And if you're going to do it, I'd suggest you start planning now. So did you book something? We haven't found anything yet. Oh, well, and now you just told everyone else to do it, too, so good luck. Well, and we were saying, I was telling Amanda this. I said, if we were looking for, because um, we want to do like, oh, well, we'll go there and then go in and get dinner somewhere in the city and see Austin and stuff. And I was thinking, if there was like a city that would be the worst city for this sort of hippie shit, it would be Austin. Like Austin, San Francisco, Albuquerque. Those are probably like the three because everyone in Austin is going to be all over, like, you know, that sort of 
young, rich, wannabe hippie granola people. So I need to find some place. Like I think it's going through like Little Rock. I bet people in Little Rock don't even know what the moon is. <laughs> you have wow. just in the well, last two minutes pissed off please, please. a good portion <laughs> of the United States of America, just so you know. Yeah. Please find me at Jacob Knight. On <laughs> so, no, but, but uh, I should say people in Little Rock would not pay $450 to camp out in someone's backyard where people in Austin probably will. So maybe we should find... Another part of the country to go. Paoli. Paoli, yeah. I'm what like, do you have to say about Paoli? What do you have to say about those kind of people? I was just up in Paoli doing the Wilhelm wildlife oh, yeah. thing. But what, okay, so like if you're maybe uh, 15 miles from Paoli, like are we talking about there's going to be like 99% totality? They've mapped out, and I put a link in Slack, but they've mapped out exactly the borders of where totality will be it's like a stripe and the closer you get to the middle of that stripe uh the longer the totality is um because you think about it like it well it's like the moon's crossing the sun so the more you're in the middle the more time you'll be blacked Mm -hmm. out so on the maps and nasa makes these maps you can click on exactly where you're going to be and it'll be like oh it's going to start at 10 27 and last for three minutes and 33 seconds so you know exactly how long but the closer you get to the middle the longer the totality will be the longer the blackout will be Hmm. all right so there's that i'll be in louisville kentucky yeah i'll probably just do it just I think it's on a Monday. Just take your kids, drive up to some outdoor park an hour away. I'm telling you, it'll be I'll probably be well doing something drive. turkey related. It might be going through your farm this yeah. year. It's slightly closer to us than it was last year. Maybe I'll go to Texas to turkey hunt. Yeah. If you want, yeah. If you and like all of a like sudden, it just blacks out in the middle of the day while you're turkey hunting. Yeah, yeah, what are they? It's do? like they the best. Roost? It's I, like I get that. The tur- cool yeah, the turkeys <laughs> are all confused, and they just start walking out in the open like zombies, and it turns That's what out. I'll, do. Like, I'll find a spot when it's happening. I'll find a, a roost tree, mm-hmm. and I'll just sit right under Sweet. it right after they come out of the roost, and then midday like when they're going back to the tree to go back to roost because they think it's nighttime. There it is. They just, I wouldn't be surprised. They, every they time. might all just like shock gobble right when totality happens. That would be pretty cool to like shoot a long beard going back to the roost in the middle in of the, the day eclipse. during but a here's full the eclipse question. while it's just gobbling its head off. And then you tell all the other ones when like the solar eclipse happens because it's right before it hit the total. But is that whatever, technically shooting the, the a turkey at night if there's no sun? That was the sacrifice. Yeah, that was the sacrifice. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know, Dan. I'm not. It's a little legal quandary. Let's, let's look it's into, it's I mean, like it's, it's the no, amount of light. It's like, sunset. Hmm. It's not. It's not. Uh, yeah, but you can't the lightness. It's sunset, sun, sun up, sundown. I know. I'm just being funny. But the reason for that is for safety reasons. We don't joke about legal things, Dan. Gets you in trouble. There's a loophole there. This might be <laughs> the already, only. This might be the only on time podcast. you can <laughs> hunt turkey at night. But it's really not. It's like you can see. Yeah, it's like twilight. Yeah, it's yeah. dusk, yeah. dusky. Anyways, it's, it is cool. I haven't been in totality, but it is cool to yeah. see, especially in your the areas where it's you get like the little, the uh, crescents yeah. on the ground through the leaves and stuff, the shadows. Well, and you get that too in the totality. You get 
you you can see the shadows and you can see as the time gets closer but it's you know 20 seconds before totality it is full brightness you can't even look at the sun and then it's just once the sun's fully covered is when it gets dark so it's amazing it's like one percent of the sun peaks out and it's like blinding to look at um do you have sunglasses did you have special glasses? He probably has special ones. No, I didn't have special glasses. Did you look up? Like when totality came, did you take off your sunglasses and look oh, up? Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's when you are see you all the cool to? stuff. Yeah, because there's no sun. All you see are the rays. Like the, you ever seen like those satellite pictures of the sun and there's like big like mass ejections coming off the sun? You know what it kind of reminded me of at the time? And this is going to date me a little bit. Do you guys remember the God, God smack? Uh, logo (laughs) and it was like everyone got tattooed on their arms and stuff in the 90s do you remember that no more of a 70s child no i like backstreet boys back then (laughs) um (laughs) sorry uh no that's kind of what it looks like like twice the distance of the sun are these big rays coming off just snaking that usually can't see with the naked eye but you can it's crazy it's it's literally hard to explain and it's a, nearly impossible to photograph. I tried taking some pictures. Oh, and it doesn't pick it up? It's too It's too faint. Hmm. I mean, I guess if you really had some, you know, big-time neutral density filters on your camera and did some, you know, Photoshop had one of those sensors that could probably pick up infrared, you could probably do it. But So you guys thought that the totality would not be something worth talking about on a podcast. It was a little we more interesting than what? I thought it was going to be. Spending 10 minutes we, talking about yeah, we totality. If we still have any listeners 14 left. 14 minutes of that. We could move on to something else now. All right, tell uh, us about your fishing. Oh, no. I wanted to hear about Derek's bear and deer I did scouting. a little bit Because I have questions about deer scouting. So you go into it and then I'll ask so questions. <coughs> went back down to Tennessee this last week for a couple of days to visit my dad again. And while I was down there, I met up with Caleb. And we spent one day scouting for bear and deer again for this hunt that we're planning in, uh, what, like, close to a month from now. A little over. It's coming up quick. And um, so we went same same place obviously and but we went a lot further in on the road that takes you in to this is it like public land it's all public did you set up trail cams the last time you were there nope no trail cams can you give us a gps pinpoint also no i cannot is it in the path of totality i don't know and i'm I'm trying to be fairly vague and where we're hunting anyone can find this information now but they they need to do their homework like we did so anyways um so we we drove a lot further in and mm-hmm. scouted a lot further back and i would say same distance from the vehicle but just a lot deeper into the wma and um i mean we we found some cool spots we found some spots that like definitely would work in a pinch but everything we found the first scouting trip is still kind of better than what we found this go around um but while we were down there we found somewhat easy acts i, I that's all relative, right? Depends on how hard someone's willing to try. But we found a section of a river that you can get to if you want to put in a little work. And I'm thinking to myself, because I didn't really have anything planned for the next day, and Olivia was on the trip with me, and we were going to plan on doing some fishing the next day. It was like, let's come down here. It would be a bit of a hike, but let's come down here tomorrow and fish. Because I bet this section of this river never gets touched. Mm-hmm. No one in their right mind's down here. And the other side of the river isn't private either 
Um, so it's not like people are living on the other side of this river and just walking out and fishing on the other side. Like people are working to get in here if they're fishing. But anyways, we scouted that day, uh, found one big old pile of, uh, bear scat, um, found some spots, like I said, that would work in a pinch for deer. Um, and then a little sidebar or whatever, Caleb actually ended up going back out yesterday, no Saturday after I was already back here. Kayla went out Saturday and found some pretty hot bear sign in a different spot. What so is what is hot bear sign? He like found poop? like or? fresh, still steaming and smelly bear scat oh. and a couple nice, decent sized prints okay. in in the sand. And we're figuring mm, a little over hundred pound bear, probably based off the footprints that he saw. So not a huge bear by any means, but a legal bear. It's probably not a cub anymore, you know. Um, Does a bear have to be a certain size before you shoot it? Every state's different. I can't remember the verbiage that Tennessee has, but it's basically you can't shoot a cub. Um, And that's pretty much across the board. Every state that has bear hunting is you can't shoot cubs or you can't shoot sows that have cubs. Mm -hmm. Um, Some states have even more stringent regulations, but that's kind of the rule of thumb for most states that have bear seasons. and we're, we're looking for a needle and a haystack out here, and we know that. Like, this is an area that has bear. Obviously, they have a bear season. We have found bear sign. We know of people that have seen bears out there. They're out there. But we're kind of more or less going into this with the mindset of, like, we're, we're deer hunting, and if we're lucky, we'll have a chance at a bear. Um, So that was that day of scouting. And then – I. I can't remember how many miles we did, five or six maybe, a lot of elevation change. Um, good good day of scouting. And then the next day we went down, me and Olivia went down, and, I mean, it, like I said, it's a bit of a hike, and you got to do some, some bushwhacking, and then you got to go through some logging trails that have probably, my guess is this area probably hasn't been logged since the 60s, so even though you still have these logging roads, they're still very growing up, and there's trees that have fallen over it. And then the last section you're cutting through some, laurel and rhododendron and stuff to get down to this river but we finally get down there and when we got to where i could hear the river flowing i kind of was like hey i'll meet you down there i can't wait anymore so i like busted down there and there's (laughs) one big hole right there at the bottom and i didn't even take the time to like look at the water and be like this is what would work right now i just threw the first thing that i had already on my line out there which was just a um zoom u-tail and motor oil and chartreuse and just toss it out and just let it hit the bottom of this hole. Popped it one time, reeled smallmouth. Nothing huge. I mean, it was probably a 9 or 10-inch smallmouth. And for the, probably the first hour, just fishing this one hole, about every other cast I was catching anywhere <coughs> between, like, 9 and 12-inch smallmouth. Whoa. And it was unseasonably cool last week it in was. Tennessee. It was, yeah. So that had to have helped. Yeah, I mean, so I think it got down in, like, the mid-50s at night when we were out there. Because yeah. we're at higher elevation, too. So that helps a lot. And then um, we waded down. We really didn't go too far down this creek. Just a small section of it and fished a few other holes. I caught – I was going to ask you about this. I don't know if you saw it. On I Go saw Wild. that picture, yeah. Okay, so have you heard of a red-eye bass? And I I'm not, when I, For the listeners, when I say a red-eye bass, I'm not talking about a rock bass because a lot of people will call rock bass red-eyes. It's actually – you might know more about them than I do. I've done a little reading since I caught that one. Yeah, and um, there are a lot of black bass species that people don't realize. And I don't even know the the total number, but there's Alabama, Alabama mm-hmm. bass, Sewanee bass, uh, the rock bass 
or the uh, red eye red eye bass. There's tons of these little strains down south. Um, and when you, I looked at that picture and I, I thought red eye too, but then there, there also is an Alabama strain mm-hmm. that is invasive, but I don't know if it's there. Like yeah. you'd have to know, like, have they gotten to that area? Yeah. But yeah, that's what it, it, like it was me. wild. I mean, I pulled it out and I'm looking at it and I could tell before I even had it like landed that I'm like, this is not a small mouth. It just colored different, and, and I'm looking at this fish, and I'm like, what is it? And my initial thought, until I talked to Caleb, and he said it was probably a red eye, was that it was some kind of hybrid. Um, smallmouth, largemouth hybrid, smallmouth, spotted bass hybrid, something like that. But he said red eye. I read about him a little bit, saw some pictures, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty certain that's what this fish was. Um, but it was wild. We only had three or four hours to fish, roughly, and then, I mean, it's probably a 25, 30-minute hike in and out to this spot um and so i mean i was talking with caleb about it that night because he i told him i was like i'll let you know how the fishing goes because i told him the day before i was going to fish down there and he is sounds pretty excited to go down there and we looked at the map and saw how much of the section of this river is probably not touched by anybody and we're already kind of tentatively talking about next summer doing like a two-day float on this whole section that's why you were catching them so consistently oh yeah because nobody's fishing this how was olivia doing she did really well um she had um i'm wearing my wading boots and all that which helps me on the rocks and it was so the river was up from where it normally is but still weightable i'm interested to see what it is when it's kind of at its normal levels if we do a two-day float on it next summer like it's definitely there's going to be parts where you're pulling the boat kayak whatever you're using um but it was kind of rocky some slippery rocks some sand and all that um but still very weightable if you're wearing wading boots she does not have wading boots and that was giving her some trouble at parts she was having issues kind of getting around whereas i didn't um so i think if she had some wading boots like that she she'd do a lot better but that was her only issue i mean besides that she was doing real well she caught i think two smallmouth which pretty good i mean she just started fishing in the last couple months so yeah that's yeah. right that's awesome so she was doing real well um rewind to um you talking about the bear and the deer mm-hmm. so when you go for your hunt are you taking the bow and the gun it's an archery hunt only oh an archery for bear mm-hmm. gosh that sounds scary and speaking of which it just reminded me i saw brad's bear skull over here um, I just got the tooth data back from my bear from Colorado this last year. Oh, that's cool. And it was a younger bear than I thought it was. Hmm. They estimated its age at about two years old, which that seemed to be about the average. Because when they release that data, it's not you don't just get yours. And really all they're doing is aging the bear. Um, they release like a whole document that's got every bear that was harvested in Colorado hmm. during the 2022 season. So you just find your seal number, and then it's got the estimated age. And... I would say a majority of the bears that were killed in Colorado last year, based off what I was seeing, was between, like, one and five. Mm-hmm. Mine was two. Um, there was a few old ones on there. There was one, a few seal numbers above mine that was, like, 20, estimated <gasps> age of 20. Holy moly. Yeah. Are those seal numbers, are they the order that they are harvested in? I'm not entirely sure how they do it because, <laughs> you know, you, you get your bear and then in Colorado and then you have to take it to a check station. And I just don't know how all those check stations statewide mm. could, like – give numbers in order so to speak so i'm sure that they're just given like you have this stack and that's what you give to the bears that come to this like it might be an indication well that would be county that would be even 
crazier because if if it was your check station had the stack, mm-hmm. then that means someone in your area. That's very true. Yeah. And that twenty-year-old bear. Yeah, and Is then it male was, or female? Uh, it was male. Which I mean, we knew that. No, the twenty. Oh, it. I can't remember if the document said or not. It'd take me too long to find it right now. I can't remember if the document said if it was boar or sow. Because the the sows are usually bigger, right? Uh, the two. I would assume, but I honestly don't know about that. I didn't know they lived that long. Yeah, I mean, so I know black bears can live up to like twenty, twenty-five years old. Um, I don't really know what like the average is, and I'm sure it's well in the wild. It's yeah, and I'm sure it's also regionally different. I'm sure you know an average age of a bear one area of the state is going to be different than another area of the state. So where we were in North Carolina this weekend, they have black bear, and the guys that were there, they live about an hour and a half from where we were. Mm-hmm. But in the the lodge where we hung out a lot, there were two two mounted bears and mm-hmm. a bear rug. And so they hunt them down there in this, this, it's not really a ranch, but you know, like this property. And the guy was saying that is the number one county, I guess, for black bear and that they have some that get up to a thousand pounds. That's a big bear. And that's like, I I didn't know black bear got that big. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't done a ton of research into him, but when he said that, I was like, are you serious? Because that is huge they definitely can get that big the the rug itself that was on the ground was massive oh yeah you might have thought it was a brown bear it was so big yeah was Was it cinnamon phased no okay so it was it was black yeah okay so you can hunt a thousand pound bear with your bow yeah yeah good would okay you there's a thousand pound bear with your bow it doesn't see you yet are you taking I guess you're taking the shot. Absolutely. Yeah. What if it does see you and it's like charging you? Oh, you're saying bear. like as far know. as range, as far as like. No, like, I don't know. Is it going to kill it? You're thinking, in, oh, yeah, well, you brought it. it. It'll go through it. I think. Like in time for it not to like charge you? I think most people have. Bear. have. You'll have a sidearm. Yeah, you would have a sidearm if it charged you. Oh, okay. But as soon as you shot it, it would probably run off. I mean, they're they're black bears. I mean, yeah, they're going to be maybe, they're more they're aggressive like than a, a white-tailed bears. deer, but I'm not out there, yeah, hunting a polar bear, you know. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not worried about it. Deer first, Derek hunts polar bear. <laughs> but the little cute ones from the Coke commercial. <laughs> right. <laughs> I set Coke cans out. So how was the rest of your trip? Oh, it was good, man. So um, those listening, we we did a sweepstakes with Federal. Uh, when did we do that? The summer? We started, oh, kicked it, it off the summer. Like in June? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Craig Arnold from Go Wild, find him on there. Um, he was the winner of the sweepstakes, and so the prize was to go and spend – a weekend, you know, a full day with, with Jim Gilliland, who is a former army sniper, wrote the training manual for the army snipers. Super smart guy. Um, I mean, I've, I have never felt more dumb about guns than being around Jim because you know, we've talked about it before. Most of the guns that I have are very utilitarian, mm-hmm. carry, shoot an animal and that's it. And so my scope has never been, or my rifle mm-hmm. has been shot further, but my scope has never been used to shoot a deer outside of 110 yards. Most of my shots are 25, 30, if we're being realistic here. And that's standard for our area. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just don't, 
use my scope for what they are capable of doing. And so it was really cool to, to be there. And Craig got to walk through some questions that he had about his rifle. Um, and it's the first season he's going to be hunting with this rifle. And so, you know, it was fun to like go through the zeroing process with Jim and see how he very quickly, but methodically does. Like when we went to, to sight <laughs> our guns a, last year, a comedy I learned some things this year that <laughs> will be helpful. Uh, not nearly as many rounds will be fired. Um, but so like it was, it was that kind of stuff that like little nuggets constantly from just being with Jim through this whole process. And he did a lot of things in, in coaching Craig on body positioning. Um, you know, Craig was most interested in deer hunting situations in Illinois where he lives, where just recently rifles were added to the gun season. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he, did this whole demonstration on um, the the zeroing practice. Then we went out to the long range part, which goes out to 950 yards and did some shooting out there. And so he really helped kind of coach him through the shot process, uh, you know, with, with distance and, and dialing the, the scope and everything. And then this really, the most interesting part to me was using a tripod in different shooting situations mm-hmm. You know, you see videos of people going out west, and they're on the side of a mountain, and they've got a tripod. They've got their gun in the tripod and, you know, all that stuff. But Jim is like, people don't realize what you can do with a tripod to basically create a bench in the wild. And so he he was showing us all these positions, like how to use it if you're on a fence post and two legs down, one leg up on the fence, and use that as a rest. And he really went through all this, you know, all these different shooting positions on a bag, um, without a bag using a tree or you know just squatting how to set yourself in the the best position um and the this ranch that we went to was a really sweet property i, I definitely shout out to john lee um and his buddies who were actually some of those guys were on site really taking care of us making sure we had everything we need could find out what we needed they um they use this as a, a deer hunting property. They do hunt black bear down there. And so it is cornfields everywhere and, you know, sunflowers. So a, a few ponds for water, um, really, really cool property. And I think Zach and I both would agree that the way this place is set up is the ideal dream scenario. If you've got a hunting lodge, you know, there's the, the garages for the side by sides. There's little hangout area with couches mm-hmm. and a big table for everybody to sit there and eat. Um, sleeping quarters and stuff in the back, and then there was a separate bunkhouse where we slept, where it's just bunk beds and room to sleep. But they, um, it was it was cool hanging out with his buddies that were there because there's a very small group, three people that actually hunt this big property. But his buddies all lease farms in the area, and so they'll go hunt. And then this is like the rally point that when people come back, they bring their deer. And so you could just feel that. And I mean, these guys were there hanging out mm-hmm. and John's well, not like a even deer camp. Sort yeah. Of. yeah. Yeah. John's not even there, but these guys come and hang out there and he lets them come and use it. And let's see, you know, of course, Jim, and us come out and shoot guns and hang out. So it was, a, it was overall, it was a great hangout experience. The time with Jim that, that we all got is invaluable coaching and training, you know, um, Craig, Craig was really happy with what he got out of it, and I think mm-hmm. he'll be better prepared for this deer season. He felt like he was 
going to be good going into this se- this season and setting up shots and the whole shot process and everything. So really, really interesting, really fun thing. I'm glad we got to do it. Was Zach having a good time? Did he learn a lot? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Zach, Zach has shot to 1,000 yards before. So out of the group of us, he had the – the most experienced long distance shooting um, besides Jim, of course. But yeah. so he sits down and he's, he's plinking the targets pretty quickly at that distance. That's awesome. Sounds like a good you, time. You would have loved it. Cause I we did some everything, but yeah, in we general. did some fun gun stuff too with pistols and got to shoot some of Jim's awesome toys. Yeah. They play, play battleship again. Like we did. We didn't play battleship. Yeah. yeah. Out of my place. But <laughs> so Jim has this, fun. It was. he has this 22 that is like a competition rifle mm-hmm. and it is stupid accurate. Like you don't feel the gun move when you fire it and you can literally pinpoint where you're shooting. It's like a laser beam. Yeah. It's crazy. We were shooting it out to 350 yards easily hitting targets. And so, at one point, we're messing around. We had some empty two, two, three casings up on this thing, or just shooting them, knocking them down like you would a can. Yeah. Um, but then Jim's just messing around, and there's a target out there that has words across the top, you know, something for zeroing target or whatever. He shoots through the O on zero, like could not be more perfect in the center of this this O. Uh, it, it was an absolute tack driver. It was uh, it was fun to shoot. That's awesome. Yeah. Does he whitetail hunt? Jim. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder. He's, he's like, well, that was a mile away. Boom. No, he does. I mean, he doesn't. Was he, this in North Carolina? Yes, it was in North Carolina. What what town? Uh, the nearest town is Murfreesboro. Oh right, right, right. It's oh. really cool. There's all there's like old cotton plantations from you know seventeen, eighteen, early, early United States uh, settlement kind of stuff so it was really really neat driving through there um he does whitetail hunt jim jim will admit he's not like a huge proponent of extra long hunting shots Mm. he doesn't necessarily encourage that even though he's capable of right shooting very very far and we were we were talking i asked him i was like do you you still whitetail hunt very much he's like you know what there's probably more days now that i just take a book and i go out and sit and Mm. the hunting is my excuse to get away from everything with no phone signal, read mm-hmm. a book, hang out. So he's gotten to do some cool stuff, hunts in Africa, all over the place. He's never turkey hunted, though. <laughs> Blew my mind. Does or, he not want, or waterfowl. Does he not want to? Does it not interest him? He just never has. I mean, he has the, – the dude could literally call up almost anybody and be like, yeah, I want to sure do he this. Could, he could go. Yeah. With it blew my mind. Yeah. He's never turkey hunted. Hmm. I want to go down there and bear hunt now. Here, I know I'm gonna talk a, about all. I'll this. help you find this county just so you can research and yeah, look it up. Yeah. But unfortunately, I can't get you on this property. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, so uh, we love the place. You guys would love it down there. I mean, it is it is heaven for uh, if you like shooting and just spending time outside. Um, Jim was, you know, if, if y'all can find an excuse to use this again, like you just got to go through me and do something down here. So. We might be back in that, back in that area there or something. Go. And it's two hours from redfish. Jim caught a forty-seven-inch redfish the day before we went. Oh wow! Like hugging it. Oh, is yeah. that the one you posted? Oh, I did in see Slack? that, dude. Yeah, you posted that. Unreal, the size of this fish. Man, I want to go back to North Carolina now. 
I do. I love yeah. that state. Yeah, it's a fun, fun state. That's a good state. Yeah, great I don't think state. I've ever been. You don't know North Carolina? I don't know. I've been in Myrtle Beach. Is that the same thing? Nope. South Carolina. That's South Carolina. It's close to North Carolina. Nope. That's the thing with North Carolina is the neighborhoods and environment on the coast totally different than the neighborhoods environment in the mountains, which is totally different than Charlotte, Raleigh, Winston, which is the Piedmont. It's like three totally different ecosystems. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the difference between mm-hmm. like upstate New York and New York City. Like totally different people, totally different economies, totally different scenery. Um, These guys, it was really interesting. So his four, four or five buddies that were from the area was still an hour, hour and a half away from where we were. They have this interesting accent that is not south southern drawl it almost i was telling zach like to me it almost pulls like a creole type influence when they're when in their accent but it's southern mixed in it's are they they actually from that area like they grew up there it's not like they just live there now okay yeah it's it's definitely got its own sort of dialect and on the coast on ocracoke island it's not so much anymore but back in like the 70s 80s when it was still somewhat remote they were like an untouched population for like 200 years and people would go to this island and talk to the locals and it literally sounded like you're talking to someone from Scotland. Hmm. It was like its own dialect that was like untouched from the settlers. And now there's been so much tourism and stuff, it's kind of faded, but you can YouTube Ocracoke accent mm-hmm. and literally you'll need subtitles to understand what these people are saying. It's like its own diaspora i mean so. the the couple of days we were there i i picked up on it pretty quick but at w- first it was it was different enough that i had to and take some a of second. those communities like they say the poorest parts of america are that appalachian mountain range kind of going up through west virginia and stuff and once again maybe not so much anymore but you could find people that literally were 90 years old and never owned a pair of shoes in their life you know like cabin homemade cabins with dirt floors sort of people like there are some definitely so i could see how some of those accents could really stick around and get reinforced and get kind of strange but i mean it you would be hard pressed to find a better group of guys to just have four random dudes show up with guns ready to hang out and they were so like we'd known them for years just great people Great salt of the earth people. Sounds like a good trip, man. Dude, it was, it was unreal. Wish it could have been there longer. Yeah, I get that. No, nope. I bet you're gonna end up living it in North Carolina at some point in your life. I hope so. That's the goal. If I'm ever fortunate to have enough money, it will be a house on the river somewhere in North Carolina. I already lived there, but I was younger, and we were in Charlotte area. Not, not quite as fun. Didn't you live there too? He's from grew up there. From there. Grew up in Winston, mm-hmm. went to school in the mountains, went to college in the mountains. Oh, yeah, that's right. Never fly fished in the mountains. I was I was broke, man. It, me in college was not the time to start picking up hobbies. <laughs> I was so broke. I was I was just doing, I was working for the newspaper and yearbook and waiting tables, and I would borrow money from people, like for meals or buy me a, you know, a case of beer or whatever, or borrow money, and then when I get paid, 
it would literally just go to paying everyone back for like the last <laughs> month. Your creditors. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I'm broke again. You mind spotting me? Blah, 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 blah. I was so broke in college, man. Broke as a joke. So I could not afford. But my school, and I wish I took advantage of it, had a rental outdoor equipment program. And you could rent rock climbing gear or, you know, whitewater rafting gear or I'm assuming fly fishing gear. I just never took advantage of it because I, you know, never fly fished before. So, yep. yeah, if in hindsight, and that's probably one of those things where you're talking about the the locals around this property that are just salt to the earth and super nice people. Like, you grow up around that, you don't realize how good you have it. Like, you're, that's just what you're used to. Yeah, everyone's got you know, for at least 40 acres and can hunt and shoot guns and whatever. And you get some, some city folk like us coming down and we're like, you guys are like, yeah, like this is amazing property. And they're like, what? This is just all they know. So yeah. 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 Very cool trip. All right. We'll wrap things up. Make sure you all log these episodes, get your points, tons of cool rewards and stuff. Uh, like we keep talking about coming out with gun broker, um, some really sweet collab projects that we're going to be dropping with them. There should be a new one coming here soon. Uh, get those points, and then we will see you guys here next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.